Well, braving the weather, you know what time it is. That's right. It is time for the Cubs Weekly Podcast, presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, and the only place to get your Chicago Cubs debit card. The only place. So get yours today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Now, it's a busy day today, and I've uh, brought two friends along. It's our digital content manager over at Marquee Sports Network, Tony Andraki, and it's our Marquee Sports Network Cubs contributor, Andy Martinez and fellas, we know there's been plenty of shuffling of the deck and uh, one of the newest additions to the Chicago Cubs, of course, it's Austin Romine, former New York Yankee, former Detroit Tiger, and now current Cub. And of course, with Victor Caratini setting sail for San Diego, home of the Channel 4 News team, Tony, it's always good to have some depth right now behind Wilson Contreras, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's also always good to hear your uh, pop culture references. I love it. You find a way to sneak in Anchorman. Well, I, I, you know what? I, I don't know if Anchorman's really pop culture anymore because at last look, that movie's going on like 16 years old. So it's borderlining and, uh, and I'm dipping my toes in, in, the, in the dad joke water. Hey, it resonated well with me. So I, I gotcha. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the Romine signing is is actually really interesting in a lot of ways. I mean, it's only the second big league signing the Cubs have made this winter, uh, along with, uh, you know, a relief pitcher, Jonathan Holder as well. So I, I think it's fascinating in that. But then it's also interesting in the, the concept of the Cubs went out and got a veteran backup. You know, Wilson Contreras' name has been around in, in trade rumors throughout this winter, but spring training is only a few weeks away. He's still on the roster right now. Romine represents some valuable depth and a guy who's played nine years in the big league. So I think it's a, it's an important signing because it does show in some sense that the Cubs have one, a backup plan if a Contreras trade ever materialized, but two, that they really do have intentions of trying to go for it and, and contend in 2021. They don't want a steep drop off if anything were to happen to Contreras or anywhere else at the catcher position, just because of the fact that, you know, the backup catcher is going to play one to two, maybe even three times a week. So uh, they wanted a guy, a veteran guy who could handle the pitching staff, who has proven an ability to in the big leagues as well. So I think that there is a, um, it's an important signing for this team, even if it's a guy who might not jump off the page in terms of statistics, mm. but I think it, it is a valuable signing for this club. Absolutely. And Andy, nine-year veteran, we know he has the experience. So when it comes to everything he knows and everything that he's seen, how important will Austin Romine be to this 2021 Cubs team? I think he's going to be huge. And I think one of the, the big things that sometimes often gets overlooked will be his contribution to the pitchers, especially those young guys. Um, you know, obviously we know you Darvish is gone. We know Jose Quintana is gone. We might see some of these younger guys, Edward Alzale will get more innings. You might see a Tyson Miller, Justin Steele type guys who will get more innings. Having someone like Austin Romine helping them along and, and, you know, as they're making their, first, second, third, fourth, whatever big league start, it's going to be huge to have someone like Austin Romine, who's, you know, who's been with the, with the big league club for, for nine seasons, who has dealt with different kinds of pitchers, young, old, um, you know, possibly, you know, future stars. Uh, it's going to be huge to have someone like Austin Romine who can guide them through it. And when they're in a tough stretch, because, you know, with young pitchers, it's not going to be all uh, clear sailing when, when they're in a tough stretch, it's going to be nice to have someone like Austin Romine who can help them along and, and get them through any struggles or any hiccups along the road that they might face. Absolutely. And Andy, I want to stick with you because as you look at 2021, there's, there's a lot of open spots on the Cubs dance card. So if you're one of those younger guys, if you're a Tyson Miller, if you're a Braylon Marquez, you know, some of those prospects right now who are teetering on the edge, how do you feel about 2021 and what's your outlook? Because there's the potential for a starting position right there to grab. Yeah, this, this, it's gotta be excitement, right? Like you, you have to be excited that, 
you have your windows. I mean, it, it, no one, everyone's seen the moves. Everyone sees the openings that are on this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're like a Tyson Miller, Ildemaro Vargas, these guys who are, you know, might've been fringe guys uh, if the, if there hadn't been any tr- big trades from the Cubs side um, now, you know, they're looking at it. Hey, maybe I can go start inside at second base. Maybe I can go start in left field. Maybe I can be the fourth starter, the fifth starter, whatever on this team. Uh, this is your window and this is your opportunity to take it. So, you know, they're, you know, that motivation's higher than it normally would have been. Not to say that it wasn't high before, but it's even higher now. And they'll be excited going into spring training here, hopefully in, in a couple of weeks, uh, that they have an ability to not only compete for us, but be a key contributor to a team that uh, I'm with you, Tony, could be a really good uh, NL Central contender uh, in 2021, um, just given the, the landscape of things right now. Tony, what do you think? How important will spring training be when it finally does go down for guys like Max Schrock or Matt Duffy? Yeah, I think very important, especially we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, how many signings they have. But right now, if they go to spring training, Philip Irvin is a potential starter on this team in terms of the outfield and because they just don't have a lot of depth beyond Jason Hayward and Ian Happ. So, yeah, and like Andy mentioned, I think the opportunity is really exciting for these guys. And Cole, we talked to Matt Dory, the Cubs VP of player development last week, and he said he got goosebumps thinking about some of the the opportunity that that's ahead of some of these younger guys. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a, a lot of uh, different names out there like Corey Abbott and Andy mentioned Justin Steele. Cole, you mentioned Braylon Marquez. Marquez might be a little bit further down the road in 2021, but some of these other guys could be competing for spots right away. And on the position player front, I mean, we talked about catching already, but PJ Higgins is a guy that the Cubs like as a catcher, as more depth. And for a 162-game season, teams almost always need to dip into their third or fourth catcher in the in the depth chart just because injuries befall the position so much. So the way Dory talked about Higgins and what the Cubs have seen from him in, in AAA in 2019 and then a little bit in summer camp or at um, the alternate site last year, yeah. I think Higgins is a guy that should be on Cubs fans' radars too this year. So, yeah, and then, you know, the Shrocks, the Philip Irvins, the – uh, Matt Duffy, even a prospect like Afonso Rivas, who plays first base, he might get it into the mix a bit too if the NL does adopt the DH again. So I think there's going to be a lot of names that are not household names, but will play key roles for the Cubs. Tony, Andy, I'll throw this one out there for both of you. If I were to make a Higgins reference, you know, Tony, all about the pop culture, what, what would that be in reference to? You guys might be a little too young for this one. No clue. Yeah, too young for that it's, one. It, it's, it's Magnum PI's personal valet. It's Mr. Um, Feeney. He was Higgins. He was his butler. Magnum P.I. living Mr. Out, of, out of Mr. Feeney was 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 the butler for Magnum P.I. He was also the voice of Kit, Kit Carr, Michael Ryder's uh Michael Ryder's uh, Trans Am back in the day. You remember that one? Yeah, I did. I did not know that it was Mr. Feeney. Yeah. Michael, take a left at the light and go to 7-Eleven. I don't I don't think Mike, Michael Knight and uh, Mr. Mr. Feeney ever went to 7-Eleven, but I, I digress because we're talking about 2021 and we're looking at some of these open roster spots, but when it comes to the rotation, there's going to be a lot of innings that need to be filled. No Darvish, no Lester, no Quintana, no Chatwood, Tony. What direction is David Ross going to go in? I think it's what we've been talking about with the opportunity and a guy like Gray Fenter, who was the rule five pick and Jonathan Holder and some of these other guys who are minor signings or minor acquisitions throughout the winter. But right now, those are some guys who are going to be slotted to, to play huge roles, potentially huge roles in, in 2021. Um, and at the very least, some, some smaller roles. So, yeah. And then Tyson Miller was a guy who got a couple of 
appearances with the club in the short and 2020 season. Right now, if you broke camp, if, if you had to, you know, write down the Cubs rotation tomorrow, Tyson Miller might be the number five guy. So it's going to be really interesting, though. I mean, you, you lose you Darvish, you lose Lester, Quintana, Chatwood. There's a lot of veteran experience and a lot of innings going out the door. So it will be really fascinating to see how it all plays out. You know, Zach Davies is a huge addition to this club. Um, the Cubs having to figure out how to, to manage Hendricks, Davies, and Alec Mills, who are three guys who who all kind of sit around 90 miles an hour with, with good change-ups and sinking fastballs. They're going to have to find a way to diversify a bit. But a guy like Elzele, you know, could really do that too. So I think the key will really be where these guys are in terms of being able to be stretched out. After a shortened year, what's the maximum for a guy, even a guy like Hendricks or Davies who have done, you know, been here and done this before. Is it 150 innings? Is it 170? You know, 170 might even seem like a lot. So I think that once the Cubs figure that out and once we kind of get into the season, we'll see that. But one thing's for certain, the Cubs are going to need a lot of pitching in 2021. Yeah. And David Ross, we know he's an old school hip hop fan. So maybe he's checking in with the RZA and the Jizza, hoping to diversify his bonds or diversify his starting rotation because there, there's a lot of slots that are laying around. And when you look at some of those young guys that are trying to chew up some of those innings, uh, Andy, this is going to be a chance for them to really make a name for themselves, just like Tony alluded to. Yeah, and I think the, the one that jumps off the jumps off the pitch for sure is Edward Alzale, right? Like yeah. we saw when he went back down to the pitch lab in South Bend after his first in up in 2020, he came back and you know, he seemed like a new pitcher. Uh, you know, he, he incorporated, he was able to, to tunnel the cutter, or excuse me, the, the slider and, and was just able to work on his pitches that way. And uh, against the Cardinals, I mean, he, he was fantastic. And, and we, we saw flashes of what could be a really key piece of the, of the rotation for the Cubs and, and Tyson Miller showed some flashes too. And, and like Tony mentioned, you know, he's probably your, your fifth starter. Another guy too, Shelby Miller, Shelby Miller just, you know, signed to the minor league deal. Uh, very familiar with the, with the NL central. Uh, I think that's something that can't be overlooked, right? Like he's pitched in all these ballparks. He, he, he knows these teams. Uh, it'll help, it'll help the Cubs in terms of depth because like Tony mentioned, there might not be too many pitchers in all of baseball that get 200 innings, uh, whether it's with the Cubs, whether it's any team in, in baseball, um, just given, you know, the last 18 months or, or 24 months, whatever you want to go with, uh, it's been weird. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be challenging for guys to go that lane. So you might have to go that, that, that sixth or, or seventh rotation guy. Um, and whether that's, you know, not a, a six or seven man rotation, you know, you're going to have to incorporate that sixth or seventh starter uh, to, to, to eat up some of those innings um, because there's not many Trevor Bowers who want to pitch on what is it? Four days rest. Uh, yeah. And and he's not going to be coming around with the Cubs likely. So you, you need those guys, you need your Shelby Millers, you need your Justin Steeles, you need your, your Tyson Millers to come in, uh, Justin Holders uh, to, to come in and eat those innings that, that otherwise wouldn't be necessarily eaten in a, in a full 162 game season where everyone, you know, is, is not dealing with a, a global pandemic. Yeah. Trevor Bauer's probably over on Twitter somewhere right now, trying, trying to, you know, make his campaign for whatever team wants to land him next. We'll see what team is uh, the one that acquires his services. But in the meantime, you know, we, we've talked about all these guys looking to fill some of these starting rotational holes, a Andy, but how about some of the guys that were tough down the stretch a season ago? You know, we had Craig Kimbrell, we had Dwayne Underwood Jr., we have Jeremy Jeffress, and that was one of the reasons why the Cubs were as good as they were a season ago because those guys came out of the bullpen and, and you know, they, they closed doors. Yeah, if you look back at their numbers in, in September, I mean, the Cubs had one of the best bullpens in, in baseball, and Craig Kimbrell was, had seemingly found his dominant self, right? Like, he had become that Craig Kimbrell everyone expected when they first signed him. Uh, and, you know, if you get that back, 
you get a Dwayne Underwood who who showed flashes throughout the season. You get a Dan Winkler who was who was pretty strong. You get some of those bullpen arms, and you've got a, a strong bullpen. And you know, it's it's sometimes bullpens are, are a revolving door, right? Like you you, you yep. one day a guy comes out of nowhere and becomes a, a stud. Uh, you saw you saw it in Milwaukee with Devin Williams. You, I mean, no one heard of him, and he comes out. And he's the best reliever in baseball. Uh, you have the the potential with those kind of guys to come out from the Cubs bullpen and the 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 really impressive thing about the Cubs with their pitching is the what's going on with the pitch lab right you see guys who come in and, and turn things around Ken Craig Kimbrell turned it around Edward Alzale turned it around you start seeing these with some of these younger relief arms um I, I know we talked a little bit about Braylon Marquez and he probably he, I'd be shocked if he started uh, opening day with the with the big league club but if you're in a if you're in a in a race in September uh who's not to say that you know his fireball arm isn't coming out um, you got also Manny Rodriguez, a guy who uh, was on the 40-man roster, who throws gas, who could, you know, another guy who could potentially come out here, pitch an inning or two in a race with his fireball arm. I mean, the bullpen, uh, that's, I think, something that's being overlooked a little bit, just how strong the Cubs bullpen was and how, how the potential for what it could be going into 2021. Yeah, and Tony, the potential, it looks to be through the roof, especially with Craig Breslow seeing his position within the franchise elevated to vice president of pitching. Every time I say it, it brings a smile to my face because I'm still looking to find out who the president of pitching is. Who does Craig Breslow answer to when it comes to those uh, the, the, the level of pitching hierarchy? But here nor there, Craig Breslow, we know what he's been able to do with some of these young guys. And you see some of these relievers. I think he's going to be able to get his fingerprints on them just that much more, Tony. Yeah, I mean, the president pitching, maybe Tommy Hadovy, you know, the pitching coach at the big true, league level. True, true. So I think he uh, needs you know, to have that officially put on his <laughs> on his title on his business card. Yeah, we'll start the campaign for that. I'm sure Tommy okay. would love it too. Getting sure it on. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> you know it is fascinating. I think the most encouraging sign for the bullpen, honestly, has nothing to do with any of the guys in the bullpen or even Hadavi himself. No offense to any of those guys, but I think it's about David Ross. I think it's Ross. As Andy mentioned, September, the, the bullpen really stepped up. Well, Ross, did, you know, admitted that he learned a lot about how to manage a bullpen, how to put guys in the right spots. And he talked a lot with Hadavi and Chris Young, the bullpen coach, and Mike Borzella, the, the game strategy coach, about trying to figure these types of things out. And give Ross a lot of credit, one, for owning up to that throughout the middle of the season. And then, two, just for the fact that, like, he was able to make those adjustments it's his first year in the big leagues as a manager, first year on that top step of the dugout, and he's dealing with a pandemic. He has to figure out who's leading off. He has to figure out, you know, how, how to, to win a division in a shortened season with new rules like a designated hitter and three batter minimum and everything else. And, oh, yeah, he has to figure out, like, who to put in different spots. And then, you know, Craig Kimbrell struggles early on, made it even more difficult on Ross and put more onus on the manager to try to figure that out. So a guy like Jeremy Jeffers helped out for sure. But some of these other guys, I mean, Jason Adam, the dude throws a 90 mile an hour changeup, 90 mile an hour changeup. That, that's just yeah. incredible. And the movement on it is fascinating. He has an elite spin rate fastball too. And Relievers are volatile, so we don't know. You know, Adam was a guy who didn't really realize his potential in, in other organizations. Came to the Cubs last year, looked pretty good down the stretch. So we'll see. You know, there's no guarantee it's going to carry over. But I think there's plenty of reason for optimism that the Cubs can find guys like that, whether it's a guy like Fenter who, you know, or Holder, some of these guys who have had some success at various levels of of organizations in the past and then now coming to the big league club. But the Cubs really excel. They're one of the best teams in baseball at finding some of those guys off the scrap heap, so to speak, and, and you know, turning them and having a very productive season. So I, I think the bullpen is going to be a really fascinating area for this club. 
Okay, Tony, let's make a move. Let's talk about some of the position players because one guy I want to focus on is a guy who was a question mark headed into last season, but with the way he was able to play and impress David Ross, especially in that 60-game campaign shortened down from what we're used to seeing, Nico Horner. I mean, he went out there and did everything that was asked of him and, and, and then some just a little bit, but in 2021, do you see him starting this year as the starting second baseman? Yeah, you know, Nico is a really fascinating case because I think there's strong arguments to be made on both sides. If it were me just watching how he played last year, if, if I was Ross or Jed Hoyer, I'd be putting him on the big league club. I think his defense, his speed, his his baseball IQ, you know, everything, it, it's a winning player. It reminds me a lot of, of Javi before Javi became this MVP candidate. He was a guy that Joe Madden lobbied for because he could he thought – Javi could help impact the game in so many different ways. I think Nico can do that, even if he's not necessarily ready to be a starter right now. On the other hand, he has some development to do on the offensive side of the ball, and he might benefit more from going down to the minor leagues and, and playing every single day in AAA versus being in the big leagues and playing only more on a matchup or a, a you know positional type, of, like a role type of basis. So um, I, I think, it, you know, it could go either way. I think spring training has a really – strong um i think there's going to be a lot of weight carried into that because if he comes mm -hmm. out shows some of the offensive improvement that they've been wanting to see then sure you know there's a big league spot waiting for him but i also think the next few weeks and what moves the cubs have in store have to, have to play with that too because there's no jason kipnis around but guys like vargas and david bodie and and you know some max schrock some of these other guys who mm -hmm. couldn't play second base yeah, maybe they'd take some time, but not necessarily a, a bulk of the time away from Nico Horner at second base. So plus, on the other hand, I think Horner is your best option at backing up shortstop at behind Javi Baez, too. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting thing to and development to watch over the next few weeks. Andy, like Tony kind of mentioned, you know, we, we need to see a little more offensively from a guy like Nico Horner, but defensively. I mean, he can play second base. We've seen him in center field. I mean, he just goes out there and gets after it. But you'd like to see a little more pop from a guy like Nico, even though second base isn't generally a position where you're asking for a whole bunch when it comes to the power numbers. But I know deep in his heart of hearts, Nico Horner, he wants to go out there and, and do a little more with the bat. Yeah, and I think like um, something that kind of get, get got overlooked in, in general is you know just the 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 nature of the season. Think about Nico Horner, a guy who spent about a month in in 2019 in the big leagues. Then his first quote unquote full season is a, a 60 game season where you're dealing with a global pandemic. You're dealing with all the you know the testing, all these crazy situations that probably in a million years you would have never planned for. Um, you, this is your first time going through a full season uh, again, full season where you're traveling every, every third day, you're, you're dealing with all these hiccups. You're in a pennant race from, from day one. I mean, it's, it's just something that is, it's tough to get. It's, it's, it's gotta be tough to get used to when you're, when you've only been in the big leagues for a month. And I think that's, you know, I don't want to say that that was without talking to him. That's the, the root of all his, of the issues in 2020, but I think that has to be taken into account in terms of why 2020 wasn't the natural progression. We kind of assumed we would see from Nico Horner. Um, but I think that the, again, the potential is there and, it, there's no one necessarily that buy, back up hobby buys at the big league club. Like Tony mentioned, he's so versatile. He's, he's one of those guys that can put the, the bat to the ball. He's, his bat to ball skills are great. Um, he's got some speed. He's, he's just, he just offers so much for the Cubs where, you know, you want to keep him on the big league club because of what he offers. But at the same time, you also think about his progression, right? And if, how much is he, how much is that benefiting his progression where if he's sitting on the bench five days, like Tony mentioned, where he could be playing 
seven days out of the out of the week in, in Iowa. That's something you have to take into account. And, you know, that balance of do you find someone uh, on the free agent market who can who can, you know, play second base and you can give Nico a month or two down in Iowa just to, you know, kind of get into the groove of things because, you know, he skipped triple A. He, he went straight from double A. Actually, his season was over and he went from double A to the big leagues in 2019 uh, because of the injury to Javi Baez. So like it's it's you just you just got to like think about these things that sometimes get overlooked with someone like Nico Horner because of his instant success that he had in the big leagues. So you have to take that into account and make sure that, hey, let's let's we can slow down the things. We can slow down things a little bit with him because there's so much potential with him. And even though there's the excitement and everything, there's we can hold you can hold them back and still see some success from him. Sure. Nico being the cerebral player that he is and the solid defender, I think it'll be a little bit easier for him to maybe add a few numbers onto that average, just because when you're going out there and you're making plays defensively every day, it's going to make it a little bit easier to to deal with the failure at the plate. If he's going out there and he's kicking balls all around the infield, then it's going to make that transition just that much harder. And we're hoping for a pretty big bounce back from Nico Horner in, in 2021, but uh, Tony, I want to jump over to you because when it comes to the biggest bounce back, you know, we saw some of the guys that were part of the Cubs core have uh, uncharacteristic seasons, whether it was, you know, Wilson Contreras or Javi Baez, Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo, those guys, we, we know what the back of their baseball card actually says. So in 2020, I mean, some of those seasons for not just guys on the Cubs, but for guys league wide, just a blip on the radar. So which Cub do you think of that core four is poised for the biggest bounce back? I think it's Javi Baez, uh, one, just because he has a lot of room to go. You know, he was statistically one of the the worst producing hitters in baseball last year. But I think he's a guy that feeds so much off of fans and the energy. And he admitted too, you know, between that aspect and then the lack of in-game video really changed how he went about, you know, making adjustments in the middle of games. So I I think um, he has the most room to grow, but I also think that he's a guy that I'm going to bet on more. And, you know, there's no no knock on Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant or Wilson Contreras. I mean, with Bryant, it probably really just comes down to health. If he's healthy, he's going to be a a good to elite player. But I think Javi is going to get back to that level, that potential MVP candidate, guy that we're going to see at the very least because he's just so important to this club defensively and he's going to bring so much value with his glove with his energy with his baseball instincts and then now you're talking about potentially in-game video we're not quite sure how that's going to develop Mm -hmm. for 2021 but either way he's had a full offseason to make adjustments in that regard and then who knows about fans you know if fans are coming back even if it's only a couple of thousand I think that's going to have a huge impact on Javi more than some of these other guys. So he's the guy I'm betting on having the biggest rebound in 21. Yeah, we saw how the fan uh, attendance and participation can affect uh, at least NFL games over the weekend, Championship Sunday. Uh, the Green Bay Packers fans clearly not cheering loud enough because Tom Brady and company walking into upstate Wisconsin and getting that W there. But uh, we're not, we're not here to throw stones at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We're here to talk about these Chicago Cubs. And uh, you know, when, when you, when you look at what's going on with some of these core guys and looking for that bounce back in 2021, Andy, who do you think it is? Because in, in, in my head, I'm thinking it's Chris Bryant only because of the fact that Chris Bryant has been successful at every single level he's been at. And not only has he been successful, but it's been sustained success all across the board. And last year, not what we're used to seeing from KB. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm with you with KB. Um, I went back and forth with Javi, KB uh, and Rizzo, but for me, KB, just because of his injury, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
Um, he had that wrist injury where he, I think it was Kansas city. He hurt his wrist uh, diving for a, for a ball in the outfield. Um, and then he went back and hit a home run. But then after that, you know, you could see the lingering effect. I think he played a few games. I went on the, on the injured list. Um, and I just don't think he was ever hundred percent healthy. And, and in a 60 game season where you don't have the, the at-bats or the plate appearances to put up the numbers you want, you're putting that pressure on yourself. Then you're doubling it with your hurt. And then he gets hurt again uh, towards in, in September. Uh, I think we saw the, the glimpses of what, he was coming back to in, in the White Sox years at the end of the year where you, where you hit that, that home run. Um, but I, I just think, you know, a full season of him being healthy, uh, a full season to get his at-bats, to find his rhythm in, in a 162-game season when he hurts his wrist in, in Kansas City like that, he can go on the injured list right away 10 days um, and take his time to get back and, and there won't be an issue. And 10-day ga- uh, injured list in a 60-game season – you know, that's a, that's almost a sixth of your season. Right. So you, you, mm-hmm. you put that pressure on yourself where it's like, Hey, it's, uh, you know, if I think I can play through it, I'm going to try and play through it. So that way I'm not costing my team any games, but in that sense, you're kind of also hurting your team because you're not performing to your fullest ability. So, you know, I think there's just a, that, that comfort, that peace of mind of having a full game, a uh, full 162 game season where, you know, he can be healthy. He can, if he has a knock, because, you know, everyone's, everyone gets hurt or is playing injured uh, by the end of the season. If you have that, I think, you know, Chris Bryant is, has the, the most potential for a biggest comeback or bounce back, excuse me, in 2021. Absolutely. The pressing for not just KB, but for guys league wide, it will be off, especially when they see, you know, an expanded roster and not, not just a roster, but a schedule. Maybe we won't see 162 games, but you know, who knows? Maybe we will see, you know, a lot more than 60 games and it will allow those guys to just breathe a little easier and, and not say, okay, I have to produce now because, you know, the finish line, it's, it's, it's in sight from the very beginning of the season. And like we said, that pressing, it will be a thing of the past. They're going to leave that in 2020. Now, Andy, you know what, you know, but, I'm, I'm almost upset that there were no, you know, no famous male, t- I, I don't know what you want to call them, fortune tellers or whatever it was when it came to the 1-900 numbers back in the day. So, you know, we're just going to ha- go with uh, Miss Cleo or Dion Warwick. I want you to channel either one of those lovely ladies and, and, and let me know who, who's playing left field this season, man. I don't have a crystal ball in front of me. That, that, was kind of, that was kind of me going all the way around the block just to get next door to get to that one. But either <laughs> way, I just wanted to get Miss Cleo and Dion Warwick into this week's Cubs uh, podcast. Yeah, I know. I feel you. But, you know, you got to look in the crystal ball. And and okay. right now, I think the the, the odds on favorite is, is uh, Philip Irvin, just because, you know, the, the, he's the only he's the only guy that necessarily kind of fills into that role when you look at the roster. Theoretically, you could you could get creative, right? And you could put uh, David Bodie at third and move Chris Bryant into left field, um, which you know I think uh, if they add a couple players or whatever whatever ends up happening, you'll you'll still probably see a couple games or a couple innings from Chris Bryant in, in the outfield. But uh, yeah, that's that's it right now. But it, it's 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 funny because Jed Hoyer was asked um, earlier in the offseason, you know, you only have are you going to add another outfielder? You only have two. And he jokingly said, "Oh, you need you need three. Uh, so he know he knows the situation, right? He's not he's not oblivious. He knows, you know, Ian Happ and Jason Hayward are make up two thirds, but you need that third one. And whether right now, I guess I got to if you if if you if I have to put money on it, if I'm betting, I got to go Philip Irvin. But I, I don't don't hold me that to that because uh, we we don't know what might happen in a week or two for sure. Okay, there's the answer right there from the Andy Martinez educated guest line. Now we swing things over to Tony. Tony, what do you say, man? Who's going to be playing left field with Kyle Schwarber now in the nation's capital? Oh, that is a great question. Uh, Philip Irvin, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's one big like shrug emoji at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's a lot of different guys, Ian Miller and 
Nick Martini, some of the, the minor league signings the Cubs have had. And Miller was a standout in spring training last year with speed. He brings a little bit different element to this game. But how about, you know, throwing a guy like Nico Horner in center field and moving Ian Happ to left? You know, there's I think there's a lot of options on the table right now. Of course, there's also plenty of time for the Cubs to still add another veteran outfield there for depth. So right now I have no clue. But if the season started tomorrow, I think Philip Irvin, the guy with the most big league experience, is probably your left fielder. Okay, Tony, uh, Andy, you guys jiving with me on maybe Chris Bryant left field, David sure. Bodie at third, Nico Horner at second, of course, Javi, Riz, shortstop, first base, Ian Happ in the big field, Jay Hay out right. I mean, I've seen crazier things happen before. You know, absolutely. And then when you, like we talked about, so Max Schrock can play the infield. They mm -hmm. still have Vargas. Matt Duffy is a, is a minor league signing who can play third base. Patrick Wisdom as well. You know, guys who can play over there. So, yeah, I think that actually could make a lot of sense, too. Maybe it is Chris Bryan on opening day. Andy, what do you think? W would it be crazy to see KB make the move from being a third baseman to a left fielder? I think it would be – or maybe it would add some tread onto his tires. I feel like just the – just the day-to-day -day of playing third base, it'll take a year or two off your life. It's, it's, it's hot down there in that corner. Yeah, for sure. And I think we want to make sure, uh, you know, the, the, the dives can be corrected a little bit just so we're not seeing uh, a Casey repeat um, just because mm -hmm. we, you want to keep uh, KB healthy for a full 162. But, yeah, I mean, KB at left field, we've seen it before. Uh, I'm sure we'll see it again. And what about the quiet storm, uh, Andy? Ian Happ, do you see him still in that leadoff spot? When I mean, we saw him productive in every single spot that he was in, whether it was the nine hole or the one hole, but in, in, in that top spot for David Ross and company, that's really where we saw him thrive. Yeah, I think I think he's he's your leadoff man, uh, barring something dramatic happening. He's your usually your leadoff man uh, for sure going into 2021. He was he was the 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 bright spot of the offense in in the Miami series in the playoffs. I think he's he's definitely the 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 leadoff hitter. I think he's he's got the, he's shown that he's ready for that role. And I think in a in a full season, um, you're going to have your ups and downs. But I think someone just having that stability there is going to be crucial. Uh, and I think Ian Happ provides that given, you know, how he was able to ease into that role. And I, Tony mentioned David Ross, David Ross, you know, played that perfectly, right? We saw, uh, we saw Ian Happ succeeding in that nine hole, succeeding at the bottom of the order. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just like an overnight thing. It was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to put him up there. It was, all right, we're going to let him keep continue to succeed in the nine hole. And then at the, and then, you know, as the season progresses and he keeps improving, he keeps showing those numbers, he's going to move up to the leadoff spot. I mean, for, for a, a couple of solid weeks there, he was a, a legitimate um, dark horse for an MVP candidate with the numbers he was, he was putting up. And, and he, he got, he got a 10th place vote actually. So yeah, it was funny. We, we asked him about that uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were at the food depository, when he was at an event and uh, he won't be putting it on his resume, but he might be putting leadoff hitter full time as, as, as that on his resume. Okay. Uh, are you a coffee drinker, Andy? Huge coffee drinker. Actually, if you haven't had quarantine coffee, yeah, it's well, there solid. we go. There we go. Just like that. He maybe will be putting that on his resume because he is a, a, a coffee connoisseur as he's paired up with connect roasters, of course, you know, to, to help out some people who need relief during these rough times during COVID. Tony, have you tried the, the, the Ian Happ coffee for COVID relief, man? Yeah, I did. I finished mine. I got it early on in the quarantine process and yeah, no, it was good. I liked it a lot. Not a huge coffee aficionado, but I drink oh, wow. probably about a cup a day. I just, I don't have like refined taste. Cole, you know me. I don't have a refined right. taste palate. <laughs> it's, it's all right. You, you know, good coffee when you drink it though. You know, I, I had the bag of the, uh, the, the coffee for COVID relief and you know, the in-laws came over for the holidays and you know, the, my, my mother-in-law was 
nice enough to make a pot of coffee one morning. And when it was, the bag was all done with, she threw it out. And I was like, oh, oh, there, there was an, an Ian Happ autograph on the back of that. And I was going to put that up in my daughter's room, but it's all, it's all right. No, I'll just have to order another one. It gives me a good reason to have the quiet storm ship some more of that coffee over there. And we're going to see what he's going to do, you know, potentially in that leadoff spot this year, because he was so solid for David Ross this year, but uh, taking a look at the division, Tony, you, you, you look at, you know, all the teams that the Cubs have to butt up against. And we haven't seen a, a whole bunch of the squads in the central be, you know, they haven't made a whole bunch of moves during this off season and, and the Cubs, they're, they're in that basket as well. So when it comes to being competitive in the division right now, I, I think Jed Hoyer and David Ross, as well as myself, I think everyone is of the like mindset that this Cubs team, they can go out there in 2021 and compete no matter what. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, you look at this division and every single team, all five of them has gotten significantly worse on paper going into 2021 compared to 2020. You know, the, the Reds are losing Trevor Bauer, who we talked about earlier in the podcast. Uh, they, mm -hmm. they traded Razel uh, Iglesias to the Angels. They potentially will trade Sonny Gray. Like, who knows? Um, we'll see some of that. But Archie Bradley was, it was another pitcher they acquired at the trade deadline, a top reliever for them. He's gone. Cardinals are, have lost a, a lot of veteran guys as well. And the Pirates are trading away anybody of value right now. And the Brewers have, you know, declined options or not picked up options for guys like Ryan Braun and, and so on. So, yeah, I mean, all five teams really right now don't look better on paper than they did last year. But that does mean that there's a wide open division for the Cubs to go claim. And I think right now the Cubs have one of the best teams on paper. They have a manager of the year finalist in David Ross. They have all those core guys and the MVP candidates that we talked about before, that if there are bounce back seasons from a couple or all of those guys, then this offense is in a much better shape than it was last year. So I think the real big question is just pitching for them. You know, where does the pitching come from from the Cubs? But yeah, I think right now they can compete certainly with the, any team in the division. Andy, the Cubs, they, they have a shot from front to back to, to win this division this year, because as Tony and I just you know mentioned, it's not the strongest division. And that's not necessarily how you want to win it. But, you know, wins, they all look the same in the books. Yeah, if you're in the playoffs, you know, you, you've got a shot, right? You, you just need a ticket, right? You, what's the saying? You, you get one lotto ticket and you, you've got a shot. That's yep. that's what the Cubs are hoping for. And, and, and going in the going in the NL Central where it's so wide open. Um, you know, the Cardinals losing Adam, potentially losing Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, Colton Wong, uh, the Brewers, uh, Ryan Braun. And I expect Christian Yelich to bounce back and, and reach pretty close to the MVP level. But mm -hmm. still, you know, I mean, that's that's one player. And, and we see what happens in Anaheim where you, you've only got one player. Uh, it, it's <laughs> the, nothing in this uh, nothing in this division is like if I'm a, if I'm if I'm a Cubs player, if I'm a hardcore Cubs fan, nothing should be worrying about this division. Right. Like. I expect Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, all these guys to, to bounce back. And if you, those guys bounce back and you couple that with an Ian Happ, if he, if he bounces back or if he continues to perform like he did in 2020, Jason Hayward show, continues his, his offensive surge. I mean, you go, you got six guys right there um, who can produce day in and day out. And then you're throwing a Nico Horner, David Bodie, those guys off the bench. There's, there's no reason why the Cubs mm -hmm. can't, can't win this NL central division. And then once you get into the playoffs, I mean, I mean, anything can happen, right? We saw the we saw the Nationals a couple of years ago, where you know they get in the wild card and, and they just you know they go on and win it. Uh, it's not to say like I'm I'm out here saying the Cubs are definitely going to win the 2021 World Series, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying they can win the Central and then from there anything can happen.
Okay, well, I think I did hear some shots fired over at uh, the Anaheim Angels over there because uh, he said they've only got one player. Anthony Rendon is, is on line one, taking exception to that one. But uh, oh, I forgot. Take yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. where am I? Yeah. <laughs> well, e- easily forgettable, though. That's the team that, you know, no, no one yeah. really pays attention to the Angels. They're always that second flight it's team the out there. Absolutely. In sunny Southern yeah. California, they're always going to be the New York Mets, the New York Islanders. They're, they're always going to be the, the Oakland A's to the San Francisco Giants. There's, there's, there's no shame in that, but that's just what they are right about now. And, uh, you know, that they're trying to get over that hump. But when you look around all of Major League Baseball and look towards other divisions, uh, I don't know if you were trying to lead towards the AL West, but is there one division in particular that really tickling your fancy as we look towards 2021? No, I'm going, I'm going out East. Uh, the NL East is, is fascinating, right? The Mets, okay. the Mets are, are, are very interesting for sure. Francisco Lindor, if they, they're, they're, Rumored to be the favorites for Trevor Bauer. Well, I mean, you know, that, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt you. I don't know how yeah, yeah. big in, into the stock market you are, but a uh, word on the street is that uh, Steve Cohen lost a whole bunch of money of billions, plural, the other day. And I know he was rolling out, you know, the, the Brinks truck to try to bring all those free agents to New York. And maybe we see all that come to a close. I don't know how many billions that man has. I'm not trying to put my hand in his pocket, Andy. Right. If, but I, I think. You know, he's the technically the richest owner in baseball when he became the official owner of the Mets. So, I mean, I'm sure he can find a, a few a few million for Trevor Bauer if they really want Trevor Bauer. Yeah. But the thing is, what becomes interesting about that is the Braves are still the Braves, right? They were still the cream of the crop of the the, the NL East, and they were still strong and solid. Uh, and then you throw in the Phillies who just signed JT Real Muto. I, I don't know if they have the pitching to, to compete in that division, but that's, I mean, Bryce Harper, JT Romuto, that's for sure uh, fun. The Nationals are, are bounce. I mean, the Nationals didn't, didn't make the playoffs in 2020, but remember they won the world series in 2019 and they've got Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer. You throw in a Kyle Schwarber with a Juan Soto. It's, that's a pretty strong outfield. And then the Marlins, I think everyone's kind of forgetting about the Marlins, but that, that those three young pitchers at the top of the rotation, uh, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Sixto Sanchez. I mean, that's that's a pretty young uh, pitching core that could be really, really strong. I mean, that division is going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight for sure. Yeah, those cats on the hill down there in Miami, man, they're throwing chainsaws, and the Cubs saw that in that two-game series, and poof like that, just like Kaiser Sose, it was gone. Tony, what, what do you think, man? What, which division are you looking towards this year? So I'm going to stick with the East Coast bias here, but I'm going to go AL East. Mm-hmm. I, I think what the Blue Jays have Blue done Jays, yeah. just – Add in Marcus Simeon this week, George Springer, you know, last week, a couple weeks ago, I, this team, they already had, you know, they already are cornering the market on sons of former big league players or hall of fame caliber guys and, yeah. and the, the Shats and the BGOs and the Guerreros and stuff. But yeah, then you add, uh, you know, guys like Simeon and Springer who are MVP candidates who are like perennial all-stars. Um, it's still going to be fascinating to see how they all kind of fit together. And I, I'm not hundred percent sure that the blue Jays have enough pitching, but, you know, I think they have a, a, the potential to make a run at the New York Yankees right now. And the mm-hmm. Red Sox are still in kind of that retooling mode. Who knows with the Rays? You know, I, you know I'm not going to count them out by any means. But right now, I think it's the Blue Jays and Yankees at the top of that division. So I, I think really what Toronto has done this winter has made it so fascinating that that's going to be a team singular, but then a division overall that I'm going to be looking at a ton in 2021. All right, Tony Touch, when uh, you expect me to zig, I'm, I'm going to zag, man, because that's just how I do. I need your prediction for the Super Bowl. I mean, I know it's, you know, as this, at this time of taping, it's just a, a little under two weeks away. But 
I mean, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, even though we're talking Chicago Cubs, I'm sure there's a lot of dudes on the Cubs who are going to be paying attention to that game on Super Bowl Sunday. Who you like, man? What's your final score? So, I, you know, Scotty Shagnon, our producer, is not going to mm-hmm. like this, but I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I've, I, so it's, I'm not a big, I'm not so a big sports gambler, but I've started like this fall and winter on the NFL, especially in the playoffs. I bet against Tom Brady every single week of the playoffs. And so I've lost every single week. So I, I, I'm not going to do that again. And I don't want to bet against Mahomes or anything else. But like if I had to, it would be going for Tom Brady. I think he's just he's motivated what he's done with the box. They seem to be kind of ascending at the right time. Devin White on that defense as well looks good. So so I'm going to say 31-28 uh, Buccaneers. Okay. I almost said Patriots, but Buccaneers. Okay. All right. Andy, how about you, man? I, I, Tony coming with the, the thorough breakdown, even including Devin White, the, the, the defensive juggernaut on that uh, number one run defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Andy, how about you, man? Where are you going? Yeah, I know. Tony mentioned betting against Tom Brady. You know, I, I bet against Don't Patrick Mahomes. I, I thought I thought the Bills would, would uh, make it interesting and let me, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think, you know, he's, I, I honestly think this could be a, a, a fun shootout type Super Bowl, Right. And I think Patrick Mahomes is just, he's, he's just so much fun to watch. Like yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. And that's exciting. He's like, we talked about Javi Baez uh, and the, the spark he can bring Patrick Mahomes is doing that on at the quarterback level for the, for the chiefs. And I'm going to go chiefs and I'm going to go 34, 28. Okay, well, betting against uh, Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes is like betting against the sun not rising at, at 6 a.m. or whatever time it comes up. I'm usually still eyes shut in the bed. It's going to be a good one. And uh, this has been a great installment of the Cubs Weekly Podcast, Andy and Tony, as always, fellas. It's been a great ride. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, tw- 24 to 20. I, I, our producer, Scott, he, he's, he's a big fan of that one. Yeah, that defense, like you said, Devin White, he's going to be one of the reasons why they're bottled up. But it's going to be it's going to be 24 to 17 late. They're going to come on. Ryan Suckup's going to kick a, a field goal late, but it's not really going to matter because Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City, they're going to be the first back-to-back repeat Super Bowl champions since the Patriots did it at the turn of the century almost. Wow. We're and that's going to do it for this week's Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Trust. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can do so and do it today. And for Andy Martinez and Tony Andracki, I'm Cole Wright. All you Cubs fans out there, we'll see you next time.